Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. Today, does anybody like theater plays? Anybody like going to a going to a play, going to a theater? When I was in uh, high school, middle school, junior high school, I loved drama. I loved being a part of that. And so, in high school, my freshman year, uh, I uh, I auditioned to be a part of the drama club. And uh, and our first play uh, was a, a play that was off the TV show Mash. Anybody like Mash? And uh, so they had, a, they had a theater play that had to do with MASH, and I got a really small part. I was a freshman, I was just starting out, I got a really small part, but I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the theater, and so throughout my high school years, I remember doing uh, Shakespeare plays. We did Shakespeare one-act plays, and being a part of that, it was just a lot of fun. And then uh, my favorite was, I believe my senior year, we did Fiddler on the Roof, and uh, uh, that was awesome. That was a challenge, because it was a musical involved singing and all kinds of things. But one of the things that, that, that oftentimes doesn't get seen or doesn't get noticed is what happens behind the curtain. So in the play, everybody gets a chance to see what's happening on the stage. But in order for what's happening on the stage to really take place and really be good, there's a whole lot of other people that are working behind the scenes to make it all happen. Behind the curtain, there are people that are moving around scenery, and and there are people that are giving stage instructions and counting down and helping people go out at the right time and directing things. And there's all kinds of stuff that's happening behind the scenes. Well, today as we take a look at Daniel chapter 10, we're going to get an opportunity in which Daniel has the curtain pulled back, so to speak, and what's behind the curtain and what gets revealed behind what's happening in the physical is a cosmic spiritual battle, and so today we're going to talk about the unseen battle today, the unseen battle. How many of you have ever prayed and wondered at times why it takes so long for prayer to be answered? You've just been believing, and you say, God, your word said, and yet it's not happening. I'm just not hearing from you. Why, why am I praying? Why am I not seeing breakthrough? Why am I not seeing something happen? Well, friends, today I believe that God's word is going to show us some things that are happening behind the curtain. You see, Daniel chapter 10 is a prologue to Daniel's fourth and final vision, which is going to be revealed in chapters 11 and 12. And next week, we're going to wrap up our series and Daniel as we look at this fourth and final vision. But Daniel chapter 10 is the prologue. That's the prologue to it. Chapter 12 is the the epilogue, the ending to that entire thing. But today, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 10. And in Daniel chapter 10, it begins with Daniel's concern. Daniel is very concerned about something. Look at verse 1, Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So what we see is that there is something that's happening that has Daniel extremely concerned. There's something that happened that is causing Daniel to fast and to pray and to deprive himself of certain delicacies or 
keep himself from certain things uh, like the lotions and things. Today we'd say deodorant and makeup and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Daniel's holding back from those kinds of things to show that he is mourning and he is grieving and he is praying about something. There's something that is greatly concerning Daniel. What, what is that? Daniel at this time is probably in his mid-80s, mid to upper 80s at this time. It's a couple of years before his death. And, uh, and so he's older. And Daniel uh, is in this place again where he's mourning for three weeks, which would have been significant for somebody his age. The other key point is the timing. Uh, the, the Jews would have been back in, in Babylon for about two years by now. It says here that it was the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. And if you remember that the end of, of Second Chronicles, which is a historical thing, and also in the book of Ezra, chapter 1, it tells us that in the first year of the reign of King Cyrus... There was a, a decree that allowed the Jews who were in exile to be able to go back to Jerusalem and begin rebuilding the temple. And, and so there was this decree that took place. We talked about it. Daniel had been praying into this. He had been believing for this. He begins to see it happen in the first year of King Cyrus. But now we're in the third year of King Cyrus. And there's something greatly concerning to Daniel. What are some of the things concerning Daniel? Well, if you're a Bible student, you know that one of the things that, that, that kind of happened that may have concerned Daniel is when the decree went for people to be able to leave Babylon and go back to Jerusalem for the word of the Lord to be fulfilled and for the 70 years of exile to be finished up that, that that should have been an exciting time we get to go back home we're no longer bound here we're no longer captive we get to go back home and we get to rebuild but here's what happened only 49,697 Jews left for Babylon a, a drop in the bucket compared to all of those that would have been in Babylon in other words the opportunity to go back and to begin to rebuild was not something that everybody was willing to do. It wasn't something that people were willing. Why? Well, because they got comfortable in Babylon. Babylon wasn't where they were supposed to be. It wasn't Jerusalem. It wasn't the promised land. It wasn't where God's people were supposed to be. But hey, we, we've gotten comfortable here. I mean, some of us were born here, and some of us, as we've come, we were just young when we came, and, and we've had families, and, and our, our families are here, and our jobs are here, and we built businesses, and we built homes, and, and, and we're just kind of comfortable. Why do we want to go back to a place where it just seems like we've got to rebuild? And what's happening is apathy is setting in. And Daniel is grieved by the apathy. He's grieved by the opportunity that God's people have to go back and to fulfill God's promise in his word and yet they remain comfortable and they remain uh, just apathetic in the culture of Babylon in which they're in. Can I be transparent for a moment? I shared in our first service and I'll pray through this and I just really feel like I need to address it. Uh, about a year and a half ago we had this thing happen that changed our world called COVID-19. May know what I'm talking about? And, and during that time, in the beginning, there were a lot of things we didn't know about this virus. We were seeing things that were happening in other worlds, uh, other, other places of our world. We were seeing other nations. We were seeing hospitals overwhelmed. And we were being encouraged, as many other parts of our world were being encouraged, to, to be careful. 
and to not gather and to, to try to stay uh, somewhat in our homes and, 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 and stay at home orders and these kinds of things. And we saw uh, the NBA cancel their season and stop meeting together. The NCAA canceled March Madness and the NHL shut down its season. Restaurants closed and, and, uh, and we saw theaters close and, and, and everything began to come to a halt. And as a, a church, we said, you know what, if this is what's happening and impacting other places, we, we need to do our part. We weren't mandated in Ohio, other states may have, we weren't, we were just encouraged to, and so we did our part. And so we went online, and lots of great things happened online. More people got to hear the gospel than would have heard it was going out. It was wonderful, but then the opportunity opened back up for us to meet in person. And I've got to be honest that over a year and a half, we've had in-person services. And I know that there are some that have health concerns, and there are reasons to stay online. If you're watching online, hear my heart. I know that some have very valid reasons why, health-wise, they want to be careful. But I also know that what happened is, is when we get the opportunity to return, there were many who simply said, boy, watching church in my jammies is really nice. Staying at home in my PJs is really comfortable. Uh, and if I want to or I don't want to or I can just watch later or I can do this family thing or I can do this or I can, I can just sit back and be comfortable. And, and some of you have not returned to being a part of the body of Christ. I don't have to come to church to be saved. Okay, okay, okay. Let's do the technicality thing. But you know what? Satan loves to isolate us, and there's not a building up of the body. And it's really easy when you come on Sunday, you don't get to choose what you hear from me. But when you're at home and you say, well, Pastor Aaron's kind of long, and I don't think I really like what he's saying, so let me just flip the channel, and I'll go watch Elevation and, and Stephen Furtick, because he's a lot more entertaining. Let me watch Andy Stanley or, or Life Church, or let me find this because I really like what this message says because this message itches my ears. Well, people in the body of Christ, they sometimes say things that offend me or do stuff that, that bothers me, and I just don't want to be a part. I can still be a Christian and not be a part of the body of Christ. Friends, I'm concerned. As your pastor, this isn't about building numbers, okay? This isn't about how many people we have coming to our church. I have prayed through this. I'm concerned about the spiritual health of some people who have chosen apathy and comfort and, quite frankly, lazy Christianity over sacrifice and the ability to come together in unity and worship. Daniel was concerned about the apathy of his people that got really comfortable in Babylon and didn't want to go back and do the hard work. The other thing was that when they, this little remnant that went back, when they went back, the work was overwhelming. There was a lot to do. There was a lot of rubble. There was a lot that had been destroyed and a lot that had not been kept up with. And it was a lot of work. And they got discouraged by the amount of work because it was just a small amount of them that went back to do it. And then their enemies started making fun of them. And their enemies started saying, you're not supposed to do that. Who gave you? Who told you you could do that? And all of a sudden started to come against the work of the Lord being done by a few. And the people were getting discouraged. And Daniel in the third year of, of the reign of King Cyrus is very much concerned 
And it brings him to his knees. And he begins to fast. And he begins to pray into this. And, and as we begin to, to take a look at this and Daniel begins to pray, Daniel has a visitation. And that's the next part of this is a visitation starting in verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold of Uphaz around his waist. And his body was like topaz, and his face like lightning, and his eyes like flaming torches, and his arm and his legs like gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude." And I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and they hid themselves. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision, and I had no strength left, and my face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep with my face to the ground. So Daniel, Daniel is, the, the, the scene shifts. He's been fasting and praying and mourning for for three weeks I'm sure he's weak but he's here at the Tigris River all of a sudden he's got some people with him we know Daniel was in government and there were others that were that were around him and with him and all of a sudden he has a vision and he's the only one that sees the man in the vision or was it really a man we're going to talk about that in a minute he's the only one who sees the vision nobody else sees it he's the only one that sees it but they know something has switched they know something has happened they can't see the man but they they feel this sense of terror and they flee and they hide why was Daniel able to see the man and they weren't because Daniel had been fasting and praying and preparing his heart to be able to encounter the supernatural and friends, I'm going to tell you that if you want to encounter the supernatural, there are times where God wants to visit and God wants to meet with us, but our hearts are not prepared and we do not perceive it. We cannot see it. We can't perceive it. He, the, the, the invisible becomes visible because Daniel has tuned his heart into the Lord. He's tuned his heart to the Lord. And what happens is, is the awesomeness of God comes and Daniel is so overwhelmed by the awesomeness of God that he literally passes out. He says he fell into a deep sleep with his face planted. I, I just believe Daniel just could not, when you encounter the presence of God, you go face down. All right, can I just say that? Can I say that there are sometimes we say things like, you know, we're going through something. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, I got a lot of questions for him. Can I tell you, when you get to heaven and you encounter the presence of God, you know where you're going to be? Face down. When you encounter the presence of God, when you really come into the encounter of the presence of God, it is an awesome thing to come into the presence of God. And, and I'm all about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do not hear what I'm not saying. But sometimes we take this relationship with Jesus, this relationship with God so casually that we forget that he is holy. We forget that he's holy. Daniel literally encounters God. He encounters God and has a moment where he loses all strength. When the prophet Isaiah encountered the very throne room of God, he said, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. When you encounter the presence of God, you can't help but go, woe is me. I'm in the presence of holiness, woe is me. Daniel encounters, encounters this, this, this messenger of God. Who is this messenger? Some believe perhaps it was Gabriel. We've seen Gabriel show up and, 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 and in the book of Daniel. He's been the messenger, and we'll see it later on in the vision. That a messenger has been, has been Gabriel. 
But it doesn't mention Gabriel. Other places it mentions Gabriel. So is it Gabriel? We, we don't know. We're not given the name. Some believe it might be a pre-incarnate uh, picture of Christ. A Christophany is what they call it in the Old Testament. A picture of Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. And that happens in other places. Yet we're going to encounter a battle in which this messenger needs help in order to fight the battle. And I just don't see Jesus needing help. So I, I don't believe it's a pre-incarnate Jesus. But some people believe that. And uh, they believe it because Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12, when John has uh, a revelation on the Isle of Patmos, the description, which is Jesus, is very similar to the description here. So it very well could be uh, an encounter with, with Jesus in the Old Testament. But, but we don't know for sure, so I'm just going to call him the messenger of Christ. An angelic messenger of Christ, an angelic being. And uh, regardless of who it is, the, Daniel has been praying and, and this messenger is bringing the answer to Daniel's prayer. So how long has Daniel been praying? 21 days, right? Three weeks. It took three weeks for the answer to come. Daniel's fasting and praying for the answer. And, and, and so the messenger touches Daniel, stands up trembling, and then the Lord begins to pull the curtain back. Daniel, let me tell you why your prayer hasn't been answered. Let me tell you why it's taken so long. Let me pull the curtain back for a moment. So take a look at verse 11. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I've been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling, and then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. And the vision is what we're going to see in chapters 11 and 12 next week. But what's happened here is, is that the curtain is being pulled back. And Daniel is getting in a window here as to why his, his prayers had taken so long to have an answer. There's a cosmic spiritual battle that was taking place. First, Daniel is called once again highly esteemed. You are highly esteemed or you are beloved. We, we saw that last week in chapter 9, that Daniel is considered beloved by the Lord. You know what this tells me? That the delay in answering Daniel's prayer was not because something was wrong with Daniel. The delay in answering Daniel's prayer wasn't because Daniel wasn't holy enough or Daniel wasn't right enough or Daniel didn't do the right things. Sometimes when we pray and God's not answering, we have a tendency to hear the whisper in our ear of the enemy going, well, that's because you're not holy enough for God to answer your prayer. That's because, that's because you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. That's why God's not answering your prayer. God's not answering your prayer because he's, he's too busy doing other things. Your problems are not important enough for God to be able to answer. Friends, these are lies. They're lies. The, the scripture says here, Daniel, you're highly esteemed. Stand up. Because when you first utter the prayer, when you set yourself to understanding, your prayers were heard. And listen, God heard. But what was going on? What was the delay in the prayer? Listen, your answer is delayed, must be interpreted, not as having been denied. The answer delayed must not be interpreted as having been denied. Dr. Roy L. Lauren says this, as a matter of fact, the fact is, the answer may be long in coming. But as a matter of faith, it is ours at the time of asking. 
It's hours at the time of asking. There was a delay, but the delay happened because of this unseen spiritual battle that was taking place. And as the curtain is pulled back, this messenger says, listen, I set out to bring you the answer from the moment you prayed. I set out. I was, I was commissioned by God the moment. But the prince of the king of Persia, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, the Persian kingdom, resisted me 21 days. The word resisted in, in Hebrew is the word amad. It means to stand or stand against. To stand or stand against. Literally, it means to stand in the way of, to not let someone get through. Kind of a, a, a block or a barricade of sorts. So, so Daniel set his heart to pray. The answer goes to come, and the enemy, this, this demonic presence, and that's what it is, this demonic presence, this demonic says, huh, I don't want God's plan going forward, and I don't want God's message going forward, and I don't want God's people moving forward, so I'm going to block what God wants to do. Friends, I want to tell you something. There is a battle that's going on, and sometimes the breakthrough hasn't come, because there is a demonic spiritual battle that is blocking what God wants to do and keep from God wants to do from happening in your life. It, it, it's one to keep it, the, the, resist it. Who's the prince of the kingdom, uh, the Persian kingdom? Some people say, well, it's got to be Cyrus, right? No, Cyrus was the king. What's the prince? We're not talking about something humanly speaking here. We're talking about demonic activity. That's what we're talking about. Demonic activity, some kind of demonic force assigned by Satan to an area or a region to hinder and disrupt the work of God and to discourage the people of God. Friends, make no mistake that there is, there is a spiritual battle that is, go, that is going on. There are demonic forces that are at work that try to hinder and stop the work of God and stop to, to hinder what God wants to do in a particular area and a particular people. I know, we're in a logical, we're, pastor, I don't know, pastor, I mean, we're in this logical society here, right? You're talking about this spiritual stuff. That sounds like something that you ought to be talking about on October 31st. Ooh. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. You need to recognize it. Hollywood, Satan is really good. He's tried to make Hollywood make this stuff seem like it is just, you know, a bunch of smoke and mirrors and, and not really real and you should be able to reason everything and you ought to be able to figure everything out and you ought to be able to science everything. I'm not against science. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But I'm going to tell you something. There are things that are not explained unless you recognize there is a very sp real spiritual war that is going on. The curtain is pulled back and there is a demonic activity and there is a battle going on in the heavenlies. We're going to talk about it in a minute, all right? So, so there's this battle and they pulls, kind of pulls back the curtain and, and so you have this messenger and he's kind of, he's kind of against this, you know, fighting against the, the, this, this prince of the, of, the, of the kingdom of Persia, right? And then all of a sudden he gets a tag team partner, right? Michael comes in, right? Remember WWF? Anybody remember WWF? Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik and I know it's WWE now and it's not as good as it used to be when I was a kid, right? 
Anybody watch that when I was getting, remember the tag team, you know, the tag team? There's only, some of you are like, I'm afraid. Like, I don't want to admit that I used to watch that, right? I, oh, I don't want to admit it. They're a tag team, you know, and somebody, they fight, and all of a sudden the partner would go, and they distract, or they do something, and then they run in, and they tag, and the other person would be able to go through the legs and, you know, escape. I kind of see this battle going on, you know, and this messenger is in this battle, and Michael kind of tags in, and the messenger goes, whoops, I'm going to go, I'm going to go deliver the message, right? Something like that. I know, that's not good. Cosmic battle, but here we go. Verse, verse 20, let's skip down. So he said, do you know why I've come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece will come. Well, what's the prince of Persia? What's the prince of Greece? That's the next kingdom that's going to come in, right? Soon the, we're, we're seeing it again and again, and we saw it in history. But you have to understand that what happens in the physical is only half the story. What happens in the physical is only half of what we see. There is another side, a spiritual side, a spiritual battle that is taking place in the cosmic realm. But first I'll tell you what's written in the book of truth. And then verse 11, no one supports me against them except Michael, your prince, and in the first year of Darius the Mede, I took my stand to support and protect him. So you see, the first year, remember when I talked about that in the beginning? The first year, why did you say, well, the first year, what does that have to do with anything? It has everything to do with it. Because God's plan was that his people would go back and they would rebuild and there would be worship once again and they would honor God. That is God's plan. But there is a cosmic battle against God's plan to keep it from happening. There is a block to keep it from happening. We need to understand there is a very real spiritual battle that is taking place. Who's Michael? Michael is a prince and protector of Israel. Judah chapter one and Jude chapter one and verse nine. There's only one chapter in Jude. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Michael is a protector, been a protector. Revelation 12:7. Then war broke out in heaven, and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. What's it reveal? It reveals that Michael is a protector. There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. There's a spiritual battle that is taking place. A spiritual battle. Friends, you and I need to understand that we're in a spiritual battle. And that the resistance that we experience in the physical is not all there is. That there is another side. There is a spiritual side that is taking place. And we need to understand as believers how we ought to battle. How we ought to fight. In fact, Paul wrote this, Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against what? Flesh and blood. It's not in the physical, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers, not in this world, but of what? The dark world against the spiritual forces of evil and where? The heavenly realms. We're talking about the heavenly realms. We're talking about the curtain pulled back and understanding that there is a spiritual battle that is going on. And so when the physical starts to manifest itself and the conflict and the evil and the immorality and the trouble starts to come up, we need to recognize there is something spiritual at work behind the scenes, something that is in opposition to what God wants to do. And friends, we need to recognize as believers that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal 
They're mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and taking every thought captive, making it obedient to Christ. We need to recognize that we got to put on the full armor of God to do what? Take our stand, stand against the enemy. Store to the Spirit, the Word of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, feet shod for the readiness of the gospel, gospel of peace. Come on, friends. That's what comes. But too many times we're not recognizing this. Paul wrote earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, he's talking about this idea of the enemy. And, the, and, and, he, and he, calls, he calls Satan the ruler of the kingdom of the air. He says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. And the ruler of the kingdom of the air, who, the spirit of who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Understand this, there is darkness when you look around and you say, oh, this world is so dark. Why are people so mean and angry? And, and, and why are they doing this? And why are they killing this? And why are they, why are they acting this way? And why are they so angry? And why is this? You can, you, can, you can counsel it all you want. You can medicate it all you want. But you've got to recognize that there's something spiritual that is taking place. There is something spiritual that is taking place. There is a spiritual battle that is happening, friends, that is resistant to what God wants to do and how God wants to work. But all too often, we get right back into the, right back into fighting with one another, right back into the battle of the flesh. Satan's the ruler of the kingdom of the air, resistant to Things happening, resistance to prayers being answered, resistance to what God wants to do. I don't want to discourage you. So today, I want to give you some truths about spiritual warfare. Quickly, I want to give you some truths that I think will help you because I'm, I'm telling you, you're like, oh, this seems overwhelming, this demonic activity and what and what is going on? But here, you need to understand this. Number one, Jesus has all authority. Jesus has all authority. Friends, Jesus has all authority. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, friends, I, I want you to know when Jesus walked the earth, he was not unaware of demonic activity. He was not unaware of it. And in fact, when Jesus spoke, when Jesus confronted demonic activity, demonic activity obeyed him. Mark 1.34, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. So the demons, he encounters demons, and they, they start, oh, you're Jesus, the Son of God. He goes, shut up. Shut up. Be quiet. And guess what? They did. He encounters, and, and, and they're manifesting in this, this man, and he says, he says to him, he says, what is your name? Legion, for we are many. And then they're like pleading with, please, please, don't send us into the abyss, send us into those pigs. Why? Because they have to obey whatever Jesus says. Jesus has all authority. Satan was a created being. Satan was an angel. He was a created being. Jesus is the Son of God who always was, who always is, and who is to come. He is eternal. 
Satan got all filled with pride. He wanted God's place. And guess what? God kicked him out of heaven along with a third of the angels that followed. But a third of the angels means there were two-thirds that didn't go. And even though I'm not much of a math person, as I told you last week, I know that two-thirds is greater than one-third. When it comes to pizza, I'd much rather have two-thirds than one-third. You can have the one-third. I'll take the two-thirds. Jesus has all authority. Always. God has always been in control. When it came to Job, Satan had to go before God and ask permission. He couldn't do the things and allow the things that happened to Job without God's permission. Come on. Jesus said to Peter, he said, hey, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you. He had to ask. He said, well, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on a minute. What? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, Colossians 2.15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know what that says? That at the cross, Jesus stripped, paint, uh, stripped Satan of his, of his power and authority. He triumphed over him. He disarmed him of the powers and the authority. We don't need to fear the demonic. You don't need to fear the spiritual battle. You don't need to fear the demonic, friends. You don't need to fear. Why? Because Jesus has all authority. Now, I went off my notes for a moment in first service, and I'm going to do it again. Satan still is active. Can I just say that? That's number two. Satan's still active. He's still active. So how does he work? How, how does he work? What, what, how does he work? Well, Peter says this in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's how he's at work. He's out prowling around looking who he may devour. Now, anybody knows anything about the Old Testament? Now, any Old Testament scholars here? Anybody remember in, in Numbers, in the book of Numbers, and some of you go, there's a book of Numbers in the Bible? Yeah, there's a book of Numbers in the Bible. It's one of the first five books of the Bible, the book of Numbers. And, and, and Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, is fourth book, Numbers. In the book of Numbers, Israel has, has come out of Egypt. And they're, 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 they're kind of roaming around. They're getting ready. They want to go in the promised land. They're kind of roaming around. And they're, they're, they just keep growing in Numbers. Remember, they were a family when they got to Egypt, but then they were just a nation by that point, there were a lot of numbers. And there was a, a nation by the name of Moab that heard about what happened in Egypt and what God had done. And their, their king by the name of Balak was worried about this vast army that had come and filled the valley where he was and that wanted to cross over their territory. And he's worried. And so he goes and finds this, this kind of witchcraft prophet kind of thing. Guy who delves in witchcraft and, and, and curses and those kind of things. Blesses and blessing and curses. His name is Balaam. Anybody ever heard of the name Balaam before? We know Balaam has a donkey that talks later on, if you've heard that. That's the same Balaam, same story. And Balak says, I want you to curse these people. I'll pay you lots of money. And he sends this, this, these people to, you know, from him, and we'll pay you lots of money. We'll give you lots of things if you will come and you'll curse Israel. And he's thinking, that's a good deal. Well, let me hold on a minute. Let me go. And he goes back, and he begins to consult, and God speaks to him and says, you're not going to curse what I blessed. Don't go with him. So he goes, I'm sorry, I can't go with you. 
comes back and offers him more. Come on, you got to go. You got you to do this. You got to curse these people. And he's kind of, oh, I, I told you, I can only do what God says. I, I, I can't do it. And then kind of reluctantly, like really wants to. And so reluctantly, God says, okay, I'll give you permission. You're really, your heart is really to do it. Let me tell you something. When your heart is really after something, even though it's got not God's will, God will sometimes permit you. He'll permit you to do your will, even if it's not his will. It wasn't his will, but he permitted Balaam. And as you know, Balaam's riding down, and the donkey sees this angel, fire and sword, right, standing in the way. And so the donkey starts to pull over the side, and, and Balaam's just thinking this donkey's being disobedient. starts beating the donkey. Get back on the road. It happens a second time. It happens a third time. Finally, the, the donkey's mouth is open. He speaks. He says, I'm trying to protect you. Have I ever done anything? What? And the donkey's speaking. And, and Balaam's not even shocked by it. Balaam starts yelling back at the donkey, and then all of a sudden his eyes are open to this angel of the Lord. I mean, that's how, when you persist in disobedience, that's how stupid you are that, that even when God has a donkey speak, you just kind of think it's normal. You know, a blockade comes, God's blocking your way, and you just kind of, I'm going to keep on persisting because this is normal. People that love you try to stop you, and you're like, oh, he's trying to stop you, what are you doing? Because God loves you. I am way off my notes. Somebody need to hear that. Somebody, God, somebody, God's been trying to use them to stop you in your disobedience, and you just keep being persistent and being stupid. Okay? Sorry, that's what it is. Some of you, you're so stubborn, you want to persist in stupid, and God wants to protect you from yourself. So that's, that's not where I was going with the story, so that's extra for somebody. Or maybe it's just me, because I just talk a lot. But, so we're, so he's, he, he finally gets to the place and Balak takes Balaam, and he, he, he's up on this mountain. He sees all the armies. He goes, all right, curse him. He goes, well, I need some sacrifice. Put some sacrifices together. And he starts to go, and what comes out of Balaam's mouth is not a curse, but a blessing over Israel. And he says, listen, I told you I can only do what God says. Come on, let me take you to a different spot. And if you see a different spot, maybe God will allow you to curse them. Curse them. Opens up his mouth again. He blesses them. Wait a minute, you're supposed to curse. What are you doing? You're speaking bad things against Moab. That's not what I'm paying you to do. Finally, a third time, and this time, he blesses them again. Why? Because Satan can't curse what God's blessed. Jesus has all authority. But here's where it is. Satan's active. So when Balaam couldn't curse, he goes, but I can tell you how to deal with these people. You take your young virgins and your young women and you go over and you begin to seduce the men of Israel. You get them to commit sexual immorality and, and you get them to worship your gods to compromise their faith. And when they did, you see in the next chapters that come, this is exactly what happened. And when they compromised, when they began to turn to immorality and they stopped being obedient to God, they came under God's judgment. And a big, huge part of the nation was wiped out. See, Satan is active. He has no authority unless we, in disobedience, give it to him. Through our rebellion and disobedience, we, we open up a door. We open up a little foothold, a little toehold. 
We, we let him in. We open up the door. We let him in a little more. And before you know it, that little foothold, that, that, that little, I, I'm not going to forgive. Unforgiveness becomes anger. And that anger becomes bitterness. And the enemy has a foothold. And then pretty soon it turns into addiction or it turns into depression or it turns into something else. And there's a stronghold in your life. That foothold becomes a stronghold in your life. Why? Because although he has no authority, he is still active. He is still tempting. He is still accusing. He is still deceiving. He is still trying to get you to believe lies like he's always done. That roaring lion who wants to devour you. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. But Satan wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy your life. He's still active trying to block the way of God's people. Paul wrote this in 1 Thessalonians 2.18. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul did, again and again. But Satan blocked our way. Listen, Satan is active wanting to block the way. He wants to block the way in your marriage. He wants to block the way in your family. He's after your kids and doesn't want them to serve the Lord. He's after you and doesn't want you to persist. Sometimes God doesn't want you to follow his way or his will. And so he begins to sow discord. He begins to sow disunity. He begins to let you get offended by something. Get angry at something. Begin to, to just put a little bit of a wedge. And there's a wedge in your marriage. And you think it's all physical. And you start... And Jesus says, recognize what's behind. You're only seeing half the story. You're only seeing half of it. The enemy is at work because he doesn't want the unity in your marriage. He doesn't want the unity in your family. So he starts to sow discord and he, he starts to sow other things. And you start fighting physically and you back and forth and blah, 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 blah. And arguing and arguing and arguing. And God says, listen, wait a minute. Stop. There is a spiritual battle that's going on. And you're missing it. You're missing the demonic activity that's happening that is leading to the physical manifestation of the disunity and of the fighting and of the discord. You're missing it. You're missing the unity that God wants to bring to his church that hurt, that offended. You start to gossip, start to criticize. The critical spirit starts to take over. The spirit of gossip starts to take over. And before you know it, there's not unity moving in God's way and God's plan to affect this area, to affect this community with the kingdom of God. And instead of joining together in prayer and in unity so that we can see strongholds broken in our community, we're too busy backbiting and fighting and criticizing and... This person and that person, this person. Stop. It's Satan. It's the demonic that wants to stop what God wants to do. And friends, we got to get on our knees and begin to recognize that. Thirdly, our strength and power come from the Lord. Daniel was concerned about his people, burdened by what was happening. And what did he do? He leaned in the Lord in prayer, and he was praying and praying and praying. And verse 15 through 17 says, While he was saying this to me, I bowed my face to the ground, was speechless. Then one who looked at me, like a, one who looked like a man, touched my lips, opened my mouth, and began to speak. And I said to the one standing before me, I'm overcome with anguish. 
Because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Friends, there are some of you, that's where you've been praying, and you've been battling. You've been battling for your marriage, and you've been battling for your family, and you've been battling for those in your house that have wandered away from God, and you've been battling for, the, for your workplace, and you've been battling for your church. You've been battling against the enemy, and you're tired. You've been battling because you physical. You're going, God, I need help. I need my physical body healed you've been battling and you're tired and you have no strength and you're burdened and you're weary but let me tell you something when the battle is too much for you to handle God will give you strength God will give you hope look at verses 18 and 19 again the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength do not be afraid you who are highly esteemed he said peace be strong now be strong and when he spoke to me, look, I was strengthened and said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. When you battle and battle, friends, you're going to get to a place, I have no strength. I can't seem to do it. I don't know if I can do it much longer. I don't know if I can persist in this much longer. Friends, that's at the place when God wants to renew your strength. That's the place when God wants to renew you. Some of you need your strength renewed in the battle. Some of you need God to renew your strength and renew your encouragement and encourage your heart. I've got good news because Isaiah said this in Isaiah 40, 30, 28 to 31. Do you not know? Have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God? He is the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, there it is. Those who hope in the Lord will what? Renew their strength. They'll soar on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. When you are weary in the battle, you got to press into the Lord. When you are weary in the battle, let the Lord renew your strength. God, I'm weary. Daniel's confessed it. God, I'm weary. God, I need your strength. And God gave him strength. Friends, let us be encouraged. Press in and don't give up. Recognize the battles that you're facing right now. That's only half of what you see. There is a very real spiritual battle. There is a demonic activity that wants to block the way of God in your life. That wants to block the answer from the Lord from coming into your life. That wants to build up and block. And friends, you've got to stop fighting in the physical and start recognizing the importance of battling in the spiritual. This cosmic spiritual battle. We are not against flesh and blood and delayed answers to prayer and breakthrough are not because there's something wrong with us. It's because the enemy is after to stop God's work. But like Daniel, we've got to persist in prayer and we've got to persist in fasting and we've got to come together and get down on our knees and say, Satan, I know your schemes. I'm aware of your schemes and I'm not falling into it anymore. I'm not fighting in this physical way anymore. I'm going to get down on my knees and I'm going to begin to pray and I'm going to begin to seek the Lord and I'm going to pray that he'll tear down strongholds. Unless you don't believe prayer works. At that point, it's a faith issue. And you have to recognize that's a way of Satan as well. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on. Worship team, come. Worship team, come. There are some of you right now, you're in a battle. Somebody's in a battle right now. Somebody's in a battle right now. The, 
The enemy has been after your soul, and that's what it's all about. The enemy has been after your soul. The enemy wants your soul. That's what he wants. The enemy wants the soul of your kids. The enemy wants the soul of your spouse. The enemy wants to seek to disrupt. He, he does not love marriage. He hates marriage because it's a picture of Jesus. So he's fighting against your marriage. A picture of Jesus with his church, bride of Christ. He hates marriage. God instituted it in the beginning. He hates it because it represents the very image of God. He hates family. He doesn't like family, hates family, wants to divide family, wants to isolate, wants to get everybody living independent and isolated, hates community, hates the church. And he's after it. And friends, some of you are weary in the battle. Some of you have been battling and you're weary. And some of you, there's a battle for your soul. And this is what James says, James 4, 7, 8, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. There's somebody here. You need to submit yourself to God. Maybe you're watching online and you say, you know what? I've got to surrender. I've got to submit to God. Some of you need to surrender to God right now. Is there anybody right now? You say, that's me. I need to surrender to God. I got to submit to God. Yeah. Come on. I need to submit to God. I got, I got to surrender. I got to surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody else, you're tired. You're weary. Anybody weary today? I'm in the battle. I'm weary. I need strength. If you need strength, lift up your hand today. I want to pray for you. I need strength. I'm weary in the battle. I need strength. Yeah, Jesus, right now. Right now, come on. Let's just surrender. Father, we surrender to you on both accounts. Lord, for those that are battle, a battle for their soul, in the name of Jesus, we surrender to you right now. We just confess with our mouth that you are Lord. We say it right now. You are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Be Lord of my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. Cleanse me today by your blood. Jesus, I need you. I need your salvation. I need your rescue. I'm tired of resisting you. I surrender today to you. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of resisting. I'm done. And today I surrender to you. I surrender to you, Jesus. Lord, those that are just weary in the battle, they just need strength. I pray for a renewing of strength. That as we begin to worship and as we begin to seek you in just a few moments, I pray in the name of Jesus right now for a renewing. I pray a renewing of strength. Just a wind of your spirit right now in the name of Jesus to renew strength. In Jesus' name. Renew strength in Jesus' name. God, fill with your Holy Spirit, I pray, throughout this place. Please begin to, to fill with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Fill us with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come on, let's stand. And if you need prayer today, we're going to be up here. We'd love to pray with you about whatever you have, maybe a physical need, maybe about a relationship or a marriage or a family or something else. Maybe you're just struggling with, with something and you, you, just, you need prayer. You want somebody to join with you. Our team will be here to pray as we worship. Let's close with worship and a time around these altars. If you want to do battle, maybe you're doing battle for something. The Lord's prompting your heart. Come. Will you come? Fall on your face. Come. Fall on your knees. Come. And let's cry out to the Lord right now. Somebody, maybe you're crying out for somebody. Maybe you're crying out. Maybe you need strength today. Come on. Come on. Let's just begin to press into the Lord today. If you need prayer, will you come and let us pray with you? Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.